Hey there. If you like this podcast, you are going to love my new book, Needy, How to Advocate for Your Needs and Reclaim Your Sovereignty. In Needy, I share my unique approach to identifying, honoring, and advocating for the most tender and true parts of yourself that are yearning to be acknowledged. It is an invitation to embody self-acceptance, which leads to meaningful growth in self-responsibility, self-care, self-trust, and self-love. All of the themes that we talk about all of the time on this podcast. Woven with threads of timeless wisdom, honest assessments of our needs, and heartfelt personal stories of transformation from yours truly and others, Needy illustrates a profound vision for what is possible when you listen to the stirrings of your heart and reclaim your undisputed sovereignty in your life. Now, you can get Needy wherever books are sold, but if you are a podcast super fan, you might appreciate the audiobook, which I do narrate, which you can find on Audible. Now on to today's show. Hey there, it's your host, Mara Glatzel, and you are listening to The Needy Podcast. Here at Needy, we are devoted to sharing frank conversations and true stories about what it means to meet your needs consistently, messily, and sustainably. To get more information about today's episode, please visit theneedypodcast.com. Now, on to today's show. Hey there, welcome to Needy. Today I want to do something a little bit different than what I usually do because I was feeling inspired um, this morning to talk to you about a different way of being with ourselves, a different way of being with our needs and our ideas and our dreams and our big visions for what might be possible, not only in our own lives, but also in the world around us. And as I was feeling inspired by that, I was remembering a book that is in my daughter's bookshelf that I love to read her. A good friend of mine gave it to us before she was born. And so I thought I would start this podcast episode by reading the book to you. Now, my invitation to you is that you sit down, you stop whatever it is that you're doing, and you allow yourself to receive. Whether you're listening to this podcast while you're cooking or cleaning or doing something, you know, please don't lay down if you're driving, but uh, (laughs) if you can, take a moment to yourself to just receive this story. It's short. The story is called, What Do You Do With an Idea? And it's written by Kobe Yamada. What do you do with an idea? One day I had an idea. I wondered, where did it come from? Why is it here? I wondered, what do you do with an idea? At first, I didn't think much of it. It seemed kind of strange and fragile. I didn't know what to do with it, so I just walked away from it. I acted like it didn't belong to me. But it followed me. I worried what others would think. What would people say about my idea? 
I kept it to myself. I hid it away and I didn't talk about it. I tried to act like everything was the same as it was before my idea showed up. But there was something magical about my idea. I had to admit I felt better and happier when it was around. It wanted food. It wanted to play. Actually, it wanted a lot of attention. It grew bigger, and we became friends. I showed it to other people even though I was afraid of what they would say. I was afraid that if people saw it, they would laugh at it. I was afraid that they would think it was silly. And many of them did. They said it was no good. They said it was too weird. They said it was a waste of time and that it would never become anything. At first, I believed them. I actually thought about giving up on my idea. I almost listened to them. But then I realized, what do they really know? This is my idea, I thought. No one knows it like I do, and it's okay if it's different and weird and maybe a little crazy. I decided to protect it, to care for it. I fed it good food, I worked with it, I played with it, but most of all, I gave it my attention. My idea grew and grew, and so did my love for it. I built it a new house, one with an open roof where it could look up at the stars, a place where it could be safe to dream. I liked being with my idea. It made me feel more alive, like I could do anything. It encouraged me to think big and then to think bigger. It shared its secrets with me. It showed me how to walk on my hands because, it said, it's good to have the ability to see things differently. I couldn't imagine my life without it. Then one day, something amazing happened. My idea changed right before my very eyes. It spread its wings, took flight, and burst into the sky. I don't know how to describe it. It went from being here to being everywhere. It wasn't just a part of me anymore. It was now a part of everything. And then I realized what you do with an idea, you change the world. So that book was, again, What Do You Do With An Idea, written by Kobe Yamada. And the reason that I love that book is because it it offers up this different way of being with something, right? I think that we can all resonate with that idea of something being born within us, whether it's an idea or a desire or a need that we have unearthed and our immediate response is to distance ourselves from that thing. It's too complicated. It's too needy. It's too difficult. Everyone's going to laugh at me. What will they think? It's too different. And so we may try for a period of time to push that part of ourselves, that newly born burgeoning part of ourselves away into, you know, the perimeter, the margins of our lives. And it's amazing how, um, 
powerful the urge is to override the newness that's being born within us in favor of an outdated understanding of belonging to the world around us and how doing that is an act of trespass against ourselves right? It's refusing to belong to this new and beautiful part of ourselves in favor of belonging to the world around us first and foremost. And really it's not belonging to the world around us. It's belonging to what we perceive the world around us expects, wants, and demands of us. And so I love that idea of being with your idea, paying attention to it, feeding it good food, nourishing it. I highly recommend picking up a copy of this book, whether you have children or not, because the illustrations are so beautiful. And every time I get to the page where the narrator says, you know, that I built it a new house with, uh, you know, it has this glass ceiling. So you see the, the, little person and the idea sit laying together on a bed, looking up at the sky through this glass ceiling. And that idea for me speaks so much to how we can pledge allegiance to our own newness, to our own vision for what is possible in our lives, but also in the world around us and how um, beautiful it can be to stand by our side during those moments of, I'm feeling this thing, but I don't know if it'll be accepted. I want this thing, but I'm not sure how it's going to go down. I'm dreaming of this thing, but I'm worried. I'm worried that other people won't see it the way that I do. I'm worried that other people won't value it the way that I hope that it'll be valued. And at that moment, is such a powerful opportunity to remain by our own side. Such a powerful opportunity to not abandon ourselves, but instead just play with whatever it is that we are dreaming of, play with whatever it is that we are envisioning. One of the things that I talk about a lot in my program tend um, is this idea that we don't have to, you know, acknowledge the thing and then make the thing happen in the same afternoon. You know how so often we're afraid of really being with ourselves because we expect that once we unearth something, we have to like do the whole thing all the way through the end and make it happen. We don't give ourselves the permission to feel our way around and into our becoming, to hold it as sacred and special just for us, or to even spend the time to figure out whether or not we actually want it or what it might look like or what we might need to ask for, or what some support we might require, right? So, you know, the pressure of the immediacy of identifying something and then having to take action on it immediately keeps so many of us stuck in place, because we rightfully assess that we don't have the energy available to like do the whole thing right now. You know, we rightfully assess that we're not ready to take that big step. And so we pretend that we don't know what we know. We push it away to the perimeter of our life. We, you know, second guess it. We, you know, (laughs) talk disparagingly to ourselves and about ourselves, about that thing and other things. We beat ourselves up for even having had the audacity to think it to begin with. We tell ourselves that we should be grateful for what we have and shouldn't ask for more. And that's self-abuse, that's self-abandonment. 
you know, here you have this tender and fragile thing that is being born within you. And it is your job as a tender steward of your life to be with that thing, to apply it with your resources, your time, your energy, your attention. And that's not another thing to do. You know, like truthfully in my life, this is what I'm doing while I'm washing the dishes. This is what I'm doing while I'm picking up all of the clothes. This is what I'm doing while I'm brushing my teeth. You know, I'm, I'm, feeling my way around something that's being born within me and not in a heavy handed way, just in a like, huh, I wonder what that would be like, or, you know, what excites me about that? Or what would be different if I were to take action on that? And sometimes I might feel myself around something for a long, long time, months, years, even. There are things that I'm currently doing now that I have been holding in my heart for a decade. So there is no rush, but that process where we put all of that pressure on ourselves to make good on the thing the minute we've acknowledged it does nothing but keep us apart from this really visionary, creative, imaginative part of ourselves that is vibrantly alive. And if we're constantly putting out that fire, you know, we are, um, it's, it's little wonder, right? That we don't feel alive ourselves. So today, my encouragement to you is to carve out space for whatever it is that you're imagining, to hold space for the things that you need, the things that are way too inconvenient and, you know, definitely not going to happen today, to hold space for the things that you might want to create in the future, for the part of you that is fresh and new and becoming. And what would it be like to feed that part of you really good food and play with it and hang out with it, build it a house so that you can look at the stars together? I would love to know what that part of you is going to become. So pay attention to it. Don't pour water all over it. Don't douse it out. Pay attention to it. And remember that you don't have to make it all happen today. You get to choose to move in your own right timing. You get to let it unfold. You get to feel your way into it. You get to grow to meet it, right? Because the truth is you might not be ready for it yet. That's totally okay to have some growing to do. You can be doing both things at the same time, holding it in your heart and doing the work to walk from here to there, right? It's a both and it's not an either or. All right. Thank you. I hope you have a good day. Thanks for listening to the needy podcast with Mara Glatzel. If you'd like my support and learning how to nourish your needs, dance on over to the needypodcast.com to sign yourself up for revive a gorgeously free five day course, chock full of real self care and daily tending. If you love today's episode, pretty please leave us a review on iTunes and join us next week. 
and as always, Permission Loves Company. So if there's a human in your life that you think can benefit from this conversation, I would be so grateful if you shared it with them. Thank you. Thank you.